we could go to the store with our kids probably two days after Christmas and you walk down Target and all I hear is, I want, I want, or can I get, can I get? Right? And, and that's two days after opening up Lord knows how many presents. But it's not just our kids, it's us as well, isn't it? And so I think this morning, this idea of worship is, is an important thing for us to consider and to contemplate. What do we worship? Because you know what? God wired us to worship. And you may say, well, I'm not very good at singing. I join the club. I, I make sure, I double check, triple check, quadruple check to make sure this microphone's off when we start singing. Because I would scare you guys. But is worship just singing songs? Is worship just listening to music? Is, is worship just strumming a guitar? Is that what God means by worship? No, it's so much deeper than that. We're going to look at a, a couple passages, and I, and I tried to make sure these are, for the most part, very relative to Christmas. But it's interesting. In um, 1647, this Westminster Assembly asked a pretty big question. And the question was this. What is the chief end to man? What? At the end, when you boil it down, what is the chief end to man? And the answer they came up with, that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's awesome. You think about that. That Our chief end, what we were created for, what we uh, live for, why why we are still breathing is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So I want to look at a few passages today. We'll go through these quickly um, because like you, I am eagerly looking forward to a bowl of chili. And so we're going to do this somewhat quickly. So we just read a passage when we lit the candle. This song that Mary sang. This song that Mary sang, she, she sang after she arrived for a visit with Elizabeth. Last year on our Christmas journey, we went through each of the characters, the, kind of the main characters involved with the Christmas story. One, one morning we spent the entirety talking about Mary. Mary is an amazing character. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think we discount her today. And, and sometimes the only time that we really talk about Mary is during Christmas season. And it's always just Mary, and the only role she plays is having a baby. And what I find so amazing is when you think and you contemplate and when you study Mary, we have to understand that Mary's situation was radical. Like, we have a young girl you know, 12, 13, maybe 14 years old when this occurs. You guys remember the story. Like, she's engaged to be married to Joseph. Then she gets a visit from an angel, and the angel tells her she's pregnant. That doesn't happen very often, does it? And now she has to explain that to Joseph. Um, most of us guys, if we were in that situation, would probably react much worse than Joseph did. Joseph, initially, his, his, his idea was um, he didn't believe her. 
And why should he? He didn't really believe it. He, he understands like the science involved with how someone becomes pregnant and it didn't match up. He's upset. He's bothered. Her world is about to be turned upside down. Everything she had hoped for, all the things she had dreamed about. And, and girls and, and ladies, you remember, like as young girls, you begin to dream about that perfect wedding day, don't you? Like some, like Mary Carlton's smiling. Like she's already picked her dress out. She has the colors. I mean, she's got it all done. She's probably got the bridesmaid. The only thing missing is the groom. And I'm going to make sure of that. Okay, but, but listen, that's one of those things that, that girls dream about. And certainly Mary did the same thing. And this storybook dream that she had thought in her mind was not going to happen. And she certainly thought, once Joseph finds out, he's running. Once my family finds out, they're not going to believe me. And so I'm going to be a single mom all by myself raising a child. The status of women during the days of the Bible oftentimes was somewhat below the value of an animal. So she had a long road ahead of her. And I love this young girl's spirit of worship. When she sings this song to Jesus, to God, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. What happens to us in our lives when tragedy occurs, when the unexpected arrives? How often, when, when we think of the worst-case situation, do we go to God rejoicing? If you're like me, it's probably not often. But Mary did. This young girl went to God rejoicing, not in the circumstance, but because of her Savior, because of how great God was. It's interesting, you can go back into the, the, and read about Hannah in the Old Testament. And Hannah's prayer is almost identical to Mary's. And that tells us a few things, one of which is this. Mary knew the Bible. Mary knew her Bible. And so she understood, even though things didn't add up, even though she didn't understand what was going to happen, she didn't know how it was all going to play out. She decided here and there that she was going to worship God. In our worship, in our lives, does it have to be in line with what we want before we begin to worship God? Go a little bit further in this same chapter. I, I, I find another song kind of neat. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 68. And here we have Zechariah. Zechariah is the husband to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth just had a baby boy, John the Baptist. Now what is somewhat amazing about that story is Elizabeth and, and Zechariah are old. 
they're well past the time when people should be having kids. And this miracle arrives. They, they, in a somewhat similar situation, they have a, a visit from an angel. The angel tells them, you're going to have a baby. And they, they're like, what? It ain't going to happen. But it does. And here in this, this response, after Elizabeth has the baby, Zechariah busts out in this song, and it's a song of prophecy. Verse 68 says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we are, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. As you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Verse 79 says, And to give light to those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Okay, so this is what strikes me about that passage. Here you have Zechariah and Elizabeth. They have a baby, a miraculous baby. Now, most of us adults in here, it, looks, it appears as if we have children. Now, you remember that time when you have that child? Right? It doesn't matter if it's your first, your second, your third, your fourth, if you're like us, whatever. It doesn't matter. what. But when you have that child, it consumes your attention, doesn't it? Right? I mean, you got the pictures out there. Uh, you're showing those pictures to anybody and everybody. Right? Because what you just had, that baby is the most beautiful thing in the entire world. And you want everyone to know about it. You want everyone to see it. Am I right? That's the way it is. There's nothing wrong with that. But this is what strikes me in that passage. Zachariah and Elizabeth just have a baby. And he sings a song, not about the baby, but about a Savior. About Jesus, about God. That's what consumed him. It was a song of praise about his salvation. We see that word salvation used in that passage several times. Why do we worship? Why do we celebrate Jesus? Why do we celebrate Christmas? It's not because it's a little baby alone. It's a baby that would grow up to be a man who would one day walk to a cross for you and for me. He's our salvation. There's no cross without a manger. In this season of Christmas, we hear this church word called the incarnation of Christ. It's a fancy word that mainly means God became man. Jesus left heaven in all of its glory 
in all of its perfection, he left heaven to come here. And he became 100% man and 100% God. I don't fully understand it. I can't fully explain it. It did. It happened. I believe it and trust it. God became man. You guys, think about that. Just, just for a moment, think that God of the universe, the one who created everything, came in the form of a baby. Innocent baby. A baby that needed mom and dad there to feed it, to raise it, to keep it warm at night, to change its diapers. All that stuff, that's the form that God came here to earth in. He didn't just show up here on a white horse as this amazing leader. He didn't show up as a king, grown man that everyone looked at and bowed down to. He arrived as a baby. A little baby. And he arrived here bring our salvation. So when we think about Christmas, celebrate with your family. Enjoy the presents that you get. But we all need to focus, think, ponder that gift, the ultimate gift of Christmas is a way for our salvation, eternal salvation. It's a gift that, that will never tarnish. It will, it's a gift that will never grow old. It's a gift that will never break. It will last forever. And Zechariah, that moment, as he's witnessing his newborn child, stops. And he worships God. See, we have Mary earlier, who, who's a peasant girl, whose, li- whose, whose life is, is, it doesn't add up. Things are occurring that, that don't make sense. What we would today consider probably not a good circumstance. She rejoices. And then we have, on the other side, we have Zechariah, who's... A great blessing has occurred. A child. And he stops and worships and praises God. We go to the next chapter of of Luke. Chapter 2. Verse 8. I'm going to read up through verse 20. So Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says, and suddenly let me go up there, I'm sorry. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold I bring you good news of great joy 
that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that was, had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all those things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. A familiar story, right? We have the shepherds out there at night. Angel shows up. They freak out. We, earlier in our journey through John chapter, in John chapter 10, in our journey through the Gospel of John, we talked about what a shepherd was. You know, a lot of times, especially during this day, this was a lowly job. This was, this was grunt labor. The, these guys, um, in many areas, were notorious. If you guys remember, I also, we also talked about their, their dress, the, the tools they had, and, and the things that they used to protect the sheep. Nighttime was the high alert time. That was when the wolves and the different animals would come out. That's when, when people would come and try and steal. So they had to be on, on, on high alert during the nighttime. So it's nighttime. Angel shows up. They freak out. Understandable. I do the same thing. The angel tells them, whoa, whoa, whoa. chill out. Tells them not to fear. And then all of a sudden, these other angels show up. I, I, I can only imagine what it was like in verse 14 as this multitude of heavenly hosts praising God began to say, glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Could you imagine? I can't. It, it, it must have been awesome. These shepherds in the field. And it's so much different than it is like today in a city where, where, where the, the lights at the buildings and the street lights and all that kind of stuff create this glow. Maybe sometimes you had the opportunity to be out in the wilderness, out in the woods, away from the city, and it's just a lot darker, isn't it? And that's the way it would have been back then. It would have been dark. And all of a sudden, these angels roll up. How amazing is that? And this is what I, I, I find awesome. Is these angels, the, the angel shows up, tells them what's about to happen, what, what did happen. Angels leave, they go back to heaven, and these shepherds take off. Or as my Bible says, leave with haste. 
So all their possession is in the field that night. Those sheep. All that they own, their, 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 their way of making money, their, for all practical purposes, their most treasured thing. And they leave it there and they go find Jesus to worship him. They don't, they leave in haste. They don't even think about that. They don't take the time to pin up the animals. They don't say, okay, you two guys stay here. We're, the rest of us are going to go over here. No, they leave in haste. They leave all that behind them and they run to find Jesus to worship him. This week, I, I don't, you know how we can read scripture sometimes and you can read this same story time and time again and all of a sudden something kind of new pops out to you? I was reading this passage earlier this week. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've read this. I, a lot. Every Christmas, probably for the last 30 years or more. You know what stuck out to me as I read this portion of Scripture? Is they show up there to Mary and Joseph. And they tell Mary and Joseph, and by this time another a crowd had kind of come. There were others there. And they begin to tell Mary and Joseph about everything that went happened. There's angels coming and, and all this singing and going on, all this stuff going on. And I love how um, it says there in verse 18, it says, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They're worshiping. I mean, they roll up there. They find Jesus. They're excited. They're worshiping the baby. They're telling everybody about what's going on, the, the angels, all this stuff. And the crowd around them, they don't get it. They don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to them. Folks, um, when we decide to worship different, when we decide that we're going to truly worship our Savior in good times, in bad times, the crowd around us probably isn't going to get it. They're not going to understand it. Right? I mean, it doesn't make sense. Like, when, when, when your life appears to be like a train wreck, like everything bad that can occur occurs and you're worshiping and praising Jesus, that doesn't make sense to the people around us, does it? When you've accomplished something great, maybe at work, or, or you've done something really, really well, and it looks like it's based on your own efforts and your own ability, and all of a sudden, instead of you taking claim and you begin to worship God for it, doesn't make sense to the people around us. It was your hard work. It was your long hours. It was your spending time to study. That's what got you to where you are. These angels, these shepherds roll up. They praise Jesus and the crowd around them. They don't get it. See, like that praise right there, that worship, it's different than um, rolling up into church and when we start to sing, we just stand there. We don't engage. Um, that worship is different than um, like 
when we go to a restaurant and it's time for lunch and um, we, we know we need to pray, but we're amongst maybe people, co- co-workers or maybe other people that, that they don't know that they're, saviors or that they're Christians. And so what we do is we like accidentally drop our napkin and we kind of do that prayer as we go in to pick it up and then come back up and amen, praise Jesus. That's it. See, that, that true worship means that you've truly decided that you're going to follow Jesus and you're going to worship him. Why? Because he's our savior, because he brought us salvation. He, he, he's everything to me. He's the most important thing in my life. My chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I want to just end um, in Job, which maybe sounds a little weird to us. But go back into Job chapter 42. Many of us, if we were brought up in church, are familiar with the story of Job. Job was a very wealthy man. Large estate. Lots of animals, lots of money, uh, a loving wife, and uh, a a large family. And we have this thing between God and the devil, and the devil wants to... um, see how faithful Job will be. And so God grants him the ability to test him. And over the course of Job, the book of Job, we see all those things taken from Job. His animals, his wealth, his family. Like everything that we would hold tightly to Everything that we would consider like to maybe to be part of our essence, part of why we get out of bed in the morning, part of our drive, whatever. Everything that could be worshipped is taken from Job, one by one. Family, finances, health, all of it. You get to the end of Job, the last chapter. And to me, this is so, it's so like raw and, and so amazing. Because Job and God are talking now. After all of this has occurred, after all these trials. And guys, this is not just a fairy tale. This, is, this isn't Cinderella. Like, this is stuff that happened. And so in Job 42, it says this, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. 
Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Joseph, or, or Job is saying, listen, like, God, like you, your thoughts are, are greater than my thoughts. Your ways are better than my ways. You know everything. And all I would do is I, would, I was talking before I was listening. I was just uttering things. I was just saying stuff. I was trying to direct you. Verse 4 says, hear, and I will speak. I will question you and make it known to me. Listen, if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to underline, highlight, circle, whatever. Verse 5. Because, folks, this this is life-changing, life full of worship. Because Job says to God, I had heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Verse 5, I had heard of you with my ears. I I grew up in Sunday at church. I went to Sunday school. I, I was involved in youth group. I heard of you. But now my eyes see you. He finally gets it. He, he finally sees God for who he is, for what he is, and decides to worship him. Folks, um, in this season of Christmas, I want to encourage us. I'm going to say us. I'm not just saying you. I'm talking about myself. We know if we've been in church, we know what Christmas is supposed to be about. We know baby Jesus. We, we know the nativity scene. We, we know all those things. We've heard those things since we were little kids. We've heard them with our ears. But have we opened our eyes? Have we opened our eyes to see him, to see why we have Christmas, to celebrate a Savior who left heaven, who came to earth to ultimately die on the cross for our salvation? And if we see that, with our eyes. Our lives will not be the same. It's impossible. They will be different. Christmas will be more than gifts. It'll be more than fruitcake and mistletoe. It'll be about a savior. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. And that's why we come to church week in and week out. And that's why we sing songs to worship a Savior. One of the um, neatest things since we've gotten into our new church home 
Josh and I talk about this somewhat regularly. When we were at Deer Lake, um, it was the size of the room, I guess. Um, the speakers, I don't, I don't know what it was, but, but so often all, all I could hear were um, the speakers, the, 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 those leading us in worship. But since we've gotten into this church, I don't know if you guys have noticed, like, I can hear you sing now. I, I typically hang out in the back. I get all Pentecostal. I raise hands and stuff like that. I don't want to throw you off in worship. Um, but I can hear you singing. Now, we're fortunate that we have a great worship team. Jacob, um, you know, Josh got hurt this week, and, and Jacob stepped right in and did a great job leading worship, and Allison, um, you know, Bonnie is up here quite often, and Caroline, and, um, and others. God's blessed us with some great worship. But it's not just their job to worship. It's not just their job to sing songs for our enjoyment. Worship's not about that. It doesn't matter how talented you are musically. It doesn't matter if you can sing in key or out of key. We worship a Savior. And I hope and pray as we continue this Advent journey and beyond, beyond Advent, into the new year, that we lay a hold of worship and we choose that we're going to worship different because of our Savior that we grasp all that he did for us. As wretched as we are, as worthless as we ought to be. But Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrated his love for us you and for me. And that while we are still sinners, while we're still messed up, while we still have all sorts of baggage in our lives, while we're running away from God, He loved us so much that He demonstrated His love for us by dying on the cross. Yes, we can celebrate a small little wooden manger. But the heart of everything, the heart of, of every service, the heart of our Christian walk, the heart of even this holiday is not a wooden manger, but a wooden cross and a sacrifice for us to celebrate and to worship in awe I didn't deserve it, but he loved me so much, so much that he sacrificed his only son for me and you. That's why we worship. That's why we worship.
So let's worship different. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I, I thank you for I thank you for this day and for all the things that you've done for us. And Lord, um, this morning, I, I just, in, in a story that is, or stories that are so um, familiar to us, in this Christmas story, or maybe time, it just kind of, we become dull to it. It loses some of its significance. But God, it's such an amazing, amazing part of history. And Lord, um, I just pray right now in the next few moments as we go into our time of invitation that, that you just work in our hearts, Lord. You reveal to us what needs to be revealed. I believe, God, I, I, I strongly believe that we all need change. Every one of us should come to church expecting life change. We're all sinners with the ability to be saved by grace. So, Lord, I pray in the next few moments that you begin to work on our hearts. And, Lord, if there's somebody here this morning that's never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, they've been worshiping other things, finding no satisfaction. Lord, help them to be able to find that satisfaction and that rest and that peace and fulfillment in you. And the Lord, for those of us who maybe have gotten off course, our attention swayed and we begin to focus on other things. Lord, I pray right now that you allow us to return to a heart of worship God, worship is more than a song. It's a lifestyle. It's a life commitment. It's us giving up everything. Everything for you. And thanking you for it. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you do a great work. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.